0: hey there scary parish welcome back to the cbs sports i own college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black matt Norlanda is here with me if you're watching us on youtube please smash the like button like your brandon davies you have consent if you haven't yet subscribed to the youtube channel please go ahead and knock that out while you're here let's get into it arizona's iarp case has finally been resolved quick refresher the arizona men's basketball program was facing five level one violations for allegedly breaking a, a lot of the rules... You're not supposed to break back when there were rules in college athletics. Arizona's punishment for past transgressions is basically nothing. Nothing significant for Arizona. Nothing significant for Sean Miller. Now, in fairness, Arizona had already served a one-year self-imposed postseason ban. Sean Miller, like, you know, lost his job. So there have been punishments connected to this. But uh, today's additional punishment is basically just some scholarship reductions and a $5,000 fine. Dead leg. First question. How hilarious would it be if Christian Dawkins paid Arizona's fine in cash? Because that seems like the perfect way to, to, to bring this
1: story to a close. No, 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 no. Where is Larnell right now? <laughs> what is our guy doing? Where is he? What's he doing? I don't
0: know. Where's Larnell. He hasn't reached out lately. I where lost track. You know, through life, sometimes you lose track of people. You know, you see somebody's name pops up, and you go, "Man, I wonder whatever happened to them." And that's where I'm at with Larnell right now. I, I don't know. I hope he's, you know, got a, uh, you know, I hope he still has maintains a relationship with with DeAndre Aiden. Otherwise, those were some wasted years for Larnell.
1: Yeah. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Larnell. Uh, also, uh, you know. Vacated victory is still a thing. So Miller is going to lose. I, I did them So Raleigh. Alkins is one of the players uh, involved in some of this stuff with, with, with bribe money and et cetera. So he has been deemed retroactively ineligible that comes with like all his college stats are going to be off the book now. And I have that as 50 wins coming off of Arizona's total as an institution and then 50 wins in an official capacity coming off of, of Miller's overall record, which means I did not bring this up before. So if you're, if you're, I don't, they have like three weeks to get this done or, 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 or I don't know what happens, but uh, going into the morning, Sean Miller had won. Oh, okay. So he had won 430 games. He's going to be a two time 400 winning, winning coach. Then, I, I, I love it when he, that happens. I love it when people be, get to reach milestones twice. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just like that. It's done. Um, h- how about this though? Yeah, you're right though. I did want to emphasize that the punishments today, like Miller doesn't get a suspension. I want to get to that in just a second. And Arizona's got customary, you know, Whatever the the punishments are are very minor and they're not going to prevent Tommy Lloyd in Arizona from being a top ten program if he's the guy and they got the dudes. That's just not gonna you know it's not the best. You don't want to have a you know a scholarship taken here and lose these recruiting days. Like you'd rather not have that. It's not nothing, but it's not major. So, uh, but most you know what most coaches these days don't even want to use
0: thirteen scholarships. So scholarship reductions. I'm not saying it's nothing, but it's it's not. You're right. If if Tommy Lloyd can build a championship team at Arizona this is not the type of thing that's going to mess that up in any way whatsoever.
1: It's not. Um, and we'll get to Miller not getting anything in just a minute here. Uh, but yes, he did lose his job. Like, as an effect, I'm not, listen, there, there are no violence here. Like, as an effect of whatever what all happened here and eventually, you know, him not being able to stem that tide, Arizona had to get rid of Sean Miller and Sean Miller was fired. So that was, that was a byproduct of this. And the school did self-impose a postseason ban, which actually, if it didn't, I think it would have had a postseason ban today because according to the release, it said the panel also applied significant weight to Arizona's self-imposed penalties, especially, especially the 2021 postseason competition ban for its men's basketball program. So I don't want to ignore the fact that Arizona doing that, which when it did it, you know, it was very noisy, somewhat controversial, obviously, but it prevented in 22, 23, a talented Arizona team from being, uh, taken off the board to play in the 23 NCAA tournament. So, you know, it's it the scales are balancing there. If they had not done that, based on what I'm reading here, like it's certainly conceivable that that would have been the case, but by being proactive, they've avoided it. And we'll kind of continue the thread from the last time we talked about all this with Louisville. Yes, with the IARP process and the independent resolution panel, the IRP, which is the actual group of of Lawyers and etc. that 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 rule on this. Uh, the theme that has emerged unquestionably is that schools that have been involved with the IARP and gone through this process, uh, they are getting off lightly, but they have also done some self-imposing. Again, they have done some stuff to try and mitigate that, uh, and they're saying we're not going to punish. We're not going to punish the current players. If only. Oklahoma state had done the same thing because at the end of the, we still got to get to Kansas and LSU and next that'll happen next year, February, March, April, whatever. But, um, Oklahoma state, uh, decided not to go the IRP route, went the NCAA route. And it, to this point, it's still been the only school in this whole thing that's been punished with the postseason ban that was not self-imposed. I agree with the tactic here. This is a five-year-old case. And I don't want to totally replay the Hitch GP, but it's a five-year-old case. And you know nobody there now, almost nobody there now, was really involved in all this stuff, initially broke. Um, so so what, are we, what are we doing? Book Richardson does get a 10-year show cause, uh, which is notable. He also got it. Read this real quick, GP. The reason why Book got a 10-year show cause and former assistant Mark Phelps got two years for basically trying to cover up during the investigation. Fell, uh, Richardson got it not because he accepted $60,000 in bribes, I mean, that wasn't good. He'd be getting a show cause if that had actually happened. But the IARP or the IRP uh, basically said it's because he didn't cooperate. He didn't cooperate. He didn't help us. And we're going to throw we're going to throw the book at him, Pun, honestly, not intended there. Uh, Here's the direct quote from the statement earlier on Wednesday after his employment was terminated Arizona former assistant men's basketball coach number one failed to cooperate with the NCAA enforcement staff throughout the infractions case investigation by knowingly providing false information and refusing to disclose information relevant to an investigation of possible violations undermining and threatening the integrity of the according to the infractions case decision looks like they got a typo in that uh, statement there but that is what exacerbated his penalties uh obviously we'll we'll also note that miller maintained his innocence and that he didn't know the whole time that's what's been ruled on here but nonetheless two former assistants have show causes richardson gets 10 years miller gets no games all of this
0: stuff was so long ago you know everybody's moved on so I i don't really care but i would ask the question like what what is the point of going through all this stuff if when it's over the judge and jury the irp just basically says you know what let's move on everything's cool again i don't really care but it all seems undeniably silly and like a huge waste of of time money everything uh, as for sean miller you know, he like I said, he's already paid a big price. You know, reputation damaged, lost the Arizona job. He's paid a price. So don't let anybody tell you Sean Miller got off scot-free, because that's simply untrue. But but what is true, um, is that he was not punished by the IRP on Wednesday. And the explanation for that, the hearing panel said, is because they determined that they found no violation for Sean Miller because he, quote, demonstrated that he promoted an atmosphere of compliance and monitored two of his assistant coaches. Now, with all due respect, that's outrageous. Like, when your assistant coaches are breaking recruiting rules and academic rules and lots of rules, you – you know, while you're developing a relationship with Christian Dawkins, you're, you're you're quite clearly not promoting an atmosphere of compliance. Like what you're promoting is an atmosphere of let's do whatever we need to do, whatever we got to do to get the job done. And I don't say that to be mean. I just say it because it's true. We don't have to play stupid here. So I have no idea how the IARP could sensibly. Reach the conclusion that Sean Miller promoted an atmosphere of compliance. Like, that's laughable. But congrats to Sean Miller and every other coach dealing with IARP cases um, because the truth is you might be right that if not for the self-imposed postseason ban, um, Arizona would have been hit with a postseason ban today. You might be right, but I'm not sure of that, and the reason I'm not sure of that is because the IRP has shown no interest whatsoever in punishing anybody. That's the real lesson here. So good for Sean Miller, and if you're Bill Self, you got to be encouraged by what you keep watching with all of these IARP cases.
1: Ooh, that's really the big question that lingers from this, is the fact that Miller's no longer at Arizona. They self-imposed. Kansas has never self-imposed. Curtis Townsend and Bill Self are still there. I'm not, I not. When it comes to Kansas, uh, Miller had one level one at his feet. Self and that program has have five and a lot of the violations here in the Arizona stuff were exacerbated by former assistants refusing to cooperate or misleading investiga- uh, investigators in the case. Those guys did get hit there. So we'll see. I don't think it's still totally apples to apples, but I think it is fair if you were a fan of Kansas and sure toss an LSU as well, I guess in this to have more optimism as more of these cases roll in. That's a fair takeaway. I'm not going to sit here and declare that when the Kansas stuff comes out, whenever that is, that Bill Self is going to dodge any kind of suspension and Kansas is going to dodge any kind of significant punishment. I will not sit here and predict that to be the case. But if you want to think like, man, it's certainly seeming like it's more likely, I do think that's fair. I also, on the note that you just mentioned there, I I couldn't help but notice the fact that when the notice of allegations came out, and you're right, it's been a long time. If we had been able to, and I don't want to flashback, trust me, but if you go back to September of 17, when all this comes out, And then you go back to, man, was it that Thursday? It was a Thursday, I think, or Thursday or Friday when the ESPN report came out claiming, you know, the DeAndre Ayton, Peyton, which, by the way, uh, you know, I'll never say with 100% certainty it didn't happen. There's been no evidence to that ever. And that is something that Miller publicly and privately has just slammed the table on continuously and quite clearly – with no evidence, no reference to that in in the case here, uh, that looks to be an erroneous report. But when that came out, if I had told you, GP, if we had done that podcast, and then a genie appeared before me and said, "Hey, just so you know, uh, it's going to be a long time before this thing is done." But uh, Sean Miller, he's gonna, he's not going to have any punishment from this. Now he did again; he technically did get fired, so he did face some retribution. It's just wild to think back on the temperature and the tone of the Arizona stuff in particular and where we are now. And with that as backdrop with the NCAA in 2020 in its notice of allegations, again, you know, placing a significant charge at Miller's feet with all of this, you know, saying that you're, you're getting a a level one uh, coach control charge because it it falls on you. Right. Um, The exact wording was the ultimate responsibility for the integrity of the men's basketball program Rested with Miller and his staff's actions and reflect on Miller as the head coach. That is the NCAA's notice of allegations when it leveled the level one charge against him. But in the IRP's decision, no, absolutely not. It said he cooperated and the group determined that he was not going to be punished because it, 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 it the IRP. Looked at everything here and said we don't. We don't think that Sean Miller failed to promote an atmosphere of compliance. We don't think that's the case. We disagree. Let me stop you. you there. What? Let me
0: stop you there. As somebody who knows this sport much better than the people on this hearing panel understand yes. this sport, can you, with a straight face, let, let me make sure I'm distinguishing between two things? Okay. You want to say we can't prove Sean Miller did anything with any of these recruits, players, academic stuff, nothing. We don't have anything on Sean Miller. That's one thing. I'll accept that. Sean Miller promoted an atmosphere of compliance. Can you say that with a straight face?
1: I am telling you what the IRP said here in this report. The I know what front. they said. I, I, I already mentioned what they said. I'm, the I'm, asking, I'm
0: asking you, can you say with a straight face, Sean Miller promoted an atmosphere of compliance? I mean, I there. can't
1: accuse him of not doing it because I wasn't in that athletic department or those offices. I don't well, know. Let that me, let,
0: well, bad. let me tell you what every coach in America will tell you. That if you truly promote an atmosphere of compliance, your assistants aren't going to be doing the things that Sean Miller's assistants are doing. Your assistants are only going to do those things if they feel like on some level they are under pressure to get the job done no matter what. That's what coaches will tell you.
1: Yeah, that's that's fine. And sometimes that's absolutely right. Coaches also absolutely love to gossip about stuff they might not know anything about. So I'm not going to just take coaches' words over something when they – might not know entirely that could be right about this, but I'm not going to take it as gospel. I was surprised. I bring this up because I was surprised the IRP actually did this and turned around and said, actually, after going through all this stuff, we disagree with the NCAA's assertion. We actually do think that Sean Miller promoted an atmosphere of compliance and didn't let his two assistant coaches uh, knowingly go rogue at his discretion. So I, I didn't, I didn't think I, I'm more inclined to side on your side of this GP But I didn't think I'd see that in this report today. That was actually the most surprising thing that came about it with me. And that is why Miller is not sitting any games. I did think he was going to get suspended. I thought it would be three to five games. Um, I'm not surprised it's nothing, but my expectation when I woke up this morning and learned we'd be getting the, the verdict on this, I actually thought that he'd be sitting and it was just a question of would they actually do it effective immediately or, or start it next season. But it doesn't matter. He's going to coach Xavier this weekend, and he's dodged anything and everything. It is quite the – my goodness. It is quite the uh, the tour of vindication right now for Sean Miller. And I don't know how much he will ultimately talk about this on the record. I'm, I'm sure a certain part of him is really eager and, and anxious and wanting to. But at another point, like, can't actually once and for all, I guess, put it behind him. So I don't know. We'll wait and see. But, uh, but it is undeniably a, a major victory for him. And and on the same level for Arizona, even though people around Arizona were more expecting along the lines of what they got today.
0: Um, Keep in mind, this is the same body that concluded that Penny Hardaway gave James Wiseman's family $10,000 because he's a philanthropist, as opposed to because he wanted the number one ranked high school center in the country on his high school basketball team at East High School. My point is they don't un- they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand the sport so, it, it, like Pitty Hardaway has thrown around money for a million good reasons um, it, you know, throughout his life. So uh, by definition, he is a philanthropist, but that ain't why that ain't why he gave the money to james wiseman's family he gave the money to james wiseman's family to get him to move to memphis so james wiseman could play on his high school basketball team that wasn't philanthropy that was buying a high school basketball player and again if the hearing panel came out and said we got nothing on sean miller and and his assistant coaches wouldn't cooperate we wanted to ask them about him they wouldn't talk to us about i got you that's all fine i'm just saying we don't, we actually believe Sean Miller was promoting uh, an atmosphere of compliance. Seems like, like, come on, man. Promote, like when you've got assistants running around doing the things they were doing and you're on the phone on the record with Christian Dawkins, that's not really promote. It's not promoting an atmosphere of compliance. May, may- you know, it's, it's just, that's, that's simply not, are you, are, you, are
1: you ready to, are you ready to hand down a, how many, how many games for Sean Miller from you right now? How many games? I zero. I don't care. I'm just saying the only
0: thing I care about is like stupidity. Like like people being stupid when it comes to this stuff. Again, you can be happy that Sean is getting to move on with his career um unfazed. And, and that's fine with me. I'm happy about that. He has paid a price. I don't think you gotta make somebody suffer forever. Um, and it ain't like he killed somebody. He was just running a basketball program that was breaking a lot of rules. Um, but but to to go yeah, we feel like this guy was promoting compliance at this school when these things were happening. Like, those two sentences can't go together. The All these things happened at Arizona's program, but the head coach was promoting a an atmosphere of compliance. Like, those two sentences do not go together. That's, that's nonsense.
1: Yeah, uh, and there are definitely people extremely dug in on both sides of this issue. I'm just uh. – Thank God this is done. And I'm happy it's done like now. And then we didn't get this like on December 22nd. So uh, a small dose of credit to the IRP for getting another one out of the way well in advance of, of Christmas. Although I will say on a personal note, I was actually planning to maybe get a little, <laughs> I'm behind on the Christmas shopping, my man. I actually want to get some of that done today. Got both the kiddos at school. This is eating up in a large part of my afternoon. That's a me problem. I'll move on. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, so it's done. I got nothing else on this. So it's, it's all you.
0: Um, You know, I, I, You know, there's some I've seen some of this today, uh, like, you know, you go back and look at some of the initial reactions to what you were talking about, because I do think that story broke on a Friday night. That's what it feels like to me. You know, when Mark Schleyball like let's put a name on it, Mark Mark Schleyball at ESPN reported that um, that Sean Miller had had more or less bought DeAndre Aiden
1: and and that it was caught on a wiretap. That's the important detail. Right. And that, that him talking about that was caught on a wiretap. That was never proven to be the case, and that never came up in court documents or in the NCAA stuff. So that initial report that stated that was never proven to be materially true that
0: that 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 is absolutely true where we are right now. And um, so you're gonna have a lot of people digging up old things that somebody tweeted or we wrote or said. But like you gotta remember in that moment, like this is a reputable reporter at a reputable media company reporting that Sean Miller has bought DeAndre Ayton, and it's on a wiretap. So you react to that in the way you react to that, right? And, and if it turns out to be an erroneous report, and that's certainly what appears to be the case, then you know, you, you, then you react differently. And, you know, Schleyball's reputation has been damaged by that. He he can, conti- you know, you can, I, I haven't looked at his Twitter mentions today, but I bet if you did, they'd be filled up with Arizona fans. Um, so, like, I, I don't say this because um, I like Mark. You know, he and I sort of came up together in this profession. I consider him a friend. But it, it appears that he messed that up. And him messing that up, um, it, it didn't set uh, – in motion um all of the things that got Sean Miller ultimately removed as Arizona's coach. Because take the DeAndre Hayton stuff, set it aside, quite clearly there was still some stuff happening in that program that would get most coaches fired. Um, but but that story did did set in motion um a, a series of reactions that undeniably damaged Sean's reputation and that that's another price that he paid and and that's one that frankly um at this moment seems seems unfair
1: i would agree with that i remember many many people calling for sean miller including some on television that saturday sure uh, to to be fired and i remember saying on this podcast because i believe it was single sourced i remember saying unless i have literally heard the transcript or i have obtained a copy of the transcript with official markings on it i I would be unwilling to go with that. Um, but nonetheless, here we are. And finally, this portion of that story is over. But the FBI adjacent stuff still is not, will not be resolved until 2023 with Kansas and LSU. Can't wait for those.
0: Let's move on to basketball stuff. Alabama beat Memphis late Tuesday to improve to nine and one. Brandon Miller is awesome. Again, we'll talk about the Crimson Tide next. But first, a word from our partners.
2: At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: A reminder, if you want, you can now email the show. Shouts to cbs at gmail.com. Shouts to cbs at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like, 10 to 15 second video, ask a question, name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show on the YouTube channel. Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you, and thank you as always for subscribing. So
0: Alabama beat Memphis late Tuesday to improve to nine and one. Final score was ninety one eighty eight. Crimson tie. No letdown uh, for Nadol's program after a weekend win at Houston. I know he, as as most coaches would be, were a little concerned about that. We just picked up this massive win, and now we're coming back home and playing a brand in Memphis. Um, And a, a, you know what? A, a, a a quality team in Memphis, but they don't have a number beside their name. Are we sure we're going to be ready for this? And though, though, you know, the the game got closer late, I think, than Alabama wanted it to be, um, they still win the game, improved to nine and one with the lone loss coming to a UConn team that is smashing everybody. I've got Alabama fourth in my top 25 and one, one spot behind that UConn undefeated team. And that makes Alabama my highest ranked SEC team at this moment are you ready to go Alabama Crimson Tide SEC favorite dead leg
1: Mm, no you're not no but I did say I did I did write that you know it's an elite team deserving of top five status Tide will be in the top five of my power rankings when they go up on Thursday where do you have the Tide in yours right now
0: Fourth, um, it goes number one, Purdue, number two, Virginia, number three, UConn. And I, I'm only, it's, it's funny, no matter how many times you say it or how many times you write it every Doesn't day, matter. somebody it's still asks. To- uh, so what's your explanation for UConn being behind Purdue and Virginia? Dude, I've explained it 50 times. There's three teams that stand out above everybody else right now after Houston took its first loss. And those three teams are UConn, Purdue, and Virginia. They're all undefeated with super strong computer numbers. Um, I've had them in the Purdue, Virginia, UConn order, and I've just decided I'm not going to flip flop that order, um, based on the results of this game or that game until somebody loses out of that group of teams, I will have it one, two, three Purdue, Virginia, UConn. But like I've said a billion times, if you want to argue, UConn has been the most impressive team so far this season, there's a lot of data uh, to support that so i've got it one two three purdue virginia yukon alabama four houston five
1: Why? why the hell know, i'll give up the goods yukon will be number one in my power rankings when they go up thursday because they deserve it from that oh, but they get a little you get a little gp you get a little norlander you get a little of this a little of that and uh variety spice of life all that good stuff as for your alabama question boot and i talked about this on the sunday night episode and we we're trying to determine how we would order it. Uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, Bama, Arkansas being that group. Arkansas, no Brazil, obviously, for the rest of the season. Him being out might knock them down slightly a peg, but we'll see how they respond. You know, I still got plenty of, of guys on that roster, but as, uh, as KB and I talked about, there's just no one that's on that roster that was doing the stuff that Trevon Brazil was doing. Uh, with that in mind, you know, Tennessee at 9-1. One, yeah, one ugly Sunday over Maryland, but it is 9-1, coincidentally enough. Hello. At Arizona on Saturday, that's a big one. We'll preview on the Friday episode there. Uh, Bama at this point quite clearly uh, deserves to be in that group. A favorite, I don't know. It's only loss to, Yes, UConn, fifteen points. I was there, saw it in person in Portland, and frankly, uh, UConn ran them off the floor. It didn't even feel like a fifteen-point outcome by the time that that game had finished. There, the wins over Michigan State, North Carolina, and that 4 t game. And then at Houston over the weekend, which was awesome, and then against Memphis there. So they've been they've been terrific. And um, two quickies for me: one on Memphis, then one on Bama, and I'll I'll hit it right back over the net to you, GP. Um, if you're a Memphis fan, you're definitely inspired with the or was regarded, you know, top ten, top fifteen in the country. I just feel like. If you listen to the podcast, you maybe know about him. If you're a diehard Memphis fan, you know about him. But I feel like he's still, you know, he's doing even a bit more amount of love here moving forward. Hopefully he gets that because you can make an argument. He's been an all-American level player kind of the season. And with Bama, I'm just impressed that they do it with the amount of youth they have. Brandon Miller was great again, and they've been able to get those young guys to step in and play big. Now, they don't have Namari Burnett uh, for the foreseeable future because of his injury. Uh, Maybe that winds up being an impact overall. But yeah. Good group in Alabama is not the team it was a season ago. Remember last season, could beat anybody, could lose to anybody. Uh, One of the most polarizing resumes in the country, and because of that, you know, wound up winning 19 games and then was a one-and-done, getting toppled by Notre Dame. This group, a lot more composure. Very impressive what Nados has done so far this season, and they will be a factor throughout. Can't wait for that Gonzaga game this Saturday. That'll be yet another one we'll, uh, we'll preview on the Friday episode.
0: Okay, I didn't hear a lot of what you said because you froze up. (laughs)
1: Yeah, my Wi-Fi. Hold on. My Wi-Fi dropped out, but I was just cruising through it because I I knew it was coming back. So if you're listening to the pod and you missed me in gaps there, apologies. Wi-Fi did drop out, but I came back in and uh, I was doing some filler on Kendrick Davis as I waited until I reconnected.
0: If it was it, it wasn't in, uh, completely clear to me whether you were frozen or I was just getting a bad connection, so I just sat here and I just sort of swayed the way I normally do and acted like I was listening, but I didn't hear a thing you said. I I know you mentioned Kendrick Davis though; he has been terrific. Um, he's now averaging nineteen and a half points, four point nine assists, 4.0 rebounds um, for the Tigers. He's gone big in in back to back games. Got twenty seven in the win over Auburn, thirty against Alabama. Um, and he's obviously the star of, of, of what is a quality Memphis team. Um, you know, one of the frustrating things in the frustrating parts for Memphis fans during the Penny Hardaway era has been that you've got all this talent, but they don't seem to play together. They don't s- seem to like each other. Um, they're not always on the same page, and you you got the feeling sometimes, at least when they were going through bad stretches, that the team was not as good as its individual parts suggested it should be and this team is like completely opposite there's no lottery pick on the team there's probably no first round pick on the team there might not be a second round pick on the team um they've got Kendrick Davis who is a great college player but he's not super fast he's not super athletic he's very little I'm not saying he won't play in the NBA who knows but um you know, I don't think he's showing up on many mock drafts right now, but he's a great college player. Deandre Williams, really good college player. And after that, they just got a bunch of role players, but man, if you watch that game on Tuesday night at Alabama and really basically any game they've played this season, they play hard, they play together. Everybody understands their roles. I think for fans watching a less talented team, what you want ideally is a super talented team that is also awesome and plays hard and together. That's perfect. Um, but short of that, you'd rather have a a team that maybe has a a, a a lower bar as it pertains to talent. But boy, they play hard and they play together and they look like they're all pulling in the same direction. You'd rather have that than you know the early season team Memphis had last year when. Um, Penny was trying to force play Imani Bates even though he wasn't good enough and it created all sorts of chemistry problems that got worked out to some degree but you can tell by the amount of transfers Memphis had even after a successful season that some of these guys um, wanted out and some of these guys were frankly just told to, to leave but that's a quality basketball team in Memphis Fran Fashilla for whatever it's, it's worth said that he put Memphis in the same category as Houston and feels like they're going to be a you know don't just hand the AAC title to Houston quite yet. I'm not ready to go there, but I do think this is a, a legitimate top 35 40 team in the country and and one that is likely to play in the NCAA tournament. As for Alabama, I don't really know if they should be considered the favorite. They are simply based on resume and other things, the the team that is highest ranked in my top 25 and one among SEC schools right now, but I've got I've got five SEC schools in my top 15. Number four, Alabama. Number seven, Arkansas. Number nine, Mississippi State. Number 13, Tennessee. Number 14, Kentucky. And if you're curious, there are six SEC schools in the top 25 at Kempom, the five I just mentioned plus Auburn and the star at Alabama is Brandon Miller. Somebody we've talked about before, but he was great. After not being great or even good against Houston, he was really great against Memphis. 24 points, eight rebounds, five assists. He was four of eight from three. So now he's a six nine freshman, likely one and done lottery pick who's averaging 18 and a half points, 8.4 rebounds per game, shooting 43.7% Um, from three on 7.1 attempts per game so he's a high volume high percentage six foot nine three point shooter Uh, those guys have typically or at least often they have long careers in the in the in in the nba i suspect that that he will as well it's interesting because you start looking at the top of the sec maybe it's alabama maybe it's arkansas maybe it's somebody else Um, like you mentioned um, Arkansas has lost Trayvon Brazil, and Alabama has indefinitely mint, uh, lost uh, Navari Burnett, who um, just had wrist surgery after suffering a wrist injury. Uh, he was the team's fifth-leading scorer. He had started the first nine games of this season. So you might remember him as this like top 35 high school prospect, class of 2020, who went to Texas Tech and uh, was a bit player, like averaged around five points and then transferred to Alabama he got hurt before he ever played a game in Alabama last season missed all of last season with a knee injury now he's sidelined again with this wrist injury so it's just a rough stretch of bad luck but Nate Oates had mentioned yesterday upon announcing this that it's not good obviously you don't want to lose a starter you don't want to lose anybody but they're they're deeper this season than they've been in other seasons and maybe better equipped to endure this and at least through one night of it you know it it got close at the end, but they I never got the sense Alabama was going to lose that game, and um, you know it was their ninth win in ten tries this season. So, um, at least so far, so good without Burnett in the in the starting lineup.
1: Agreed. Anything else in your mind, buddy? What else you want to get to here?
0: Mm, hey, we do a dribble handoff every week. Um, I put this in the.
1: I know I I haven't done it yet, by the way, because of all this Sean Miller stuff. <laughs> so
0: got to get up early and get your work done, Give dead leg.
1: Up. Hit me get, up. Oh, I, yeah. You
0: got to yeah. get up early and get you. If they're going to have the shell ready for you when you wake up, you got to get up early and get going. I'm so tired right now because I got up early and got going. So we do a dribble handoff every week at cbsports.com, and that's where a question is presented, and then me, Norlander, David Cobb, Cal Boone um, answer it. And today, the question was which player has surprised you? most this season i'll tell you who i went with but you go first who when you get well, around you to do who
1: you went with and then i'll pick the play. when you get pl-
0: around to doing your job you tell me who you're gonna go with i went with ricky council at arkansas
1: okay
0: why here's my explanation he played two seasons at wichita state last season averaged 12 points while shooting 43.7 percent from the field for a wichita state team that You know, went six and nine in the AAC. So he averaged 12 points, you know, shot 43% from the field for a team that had a losing record in the American Athletic Conference. Those guys don't usually make big statistical jumps when they transfer to better programs, have better teammates, and play in a better league. But here's Ricky Council. He's now averaging 19.2 points, shooting 52.6% from the field for an Arkansas team that's 9-1 and and ranked 7th in the top 25 um and one i went and looked he's not on our top 101 list of college basketball players in the preseason we had we had two arkansas players uh nick smith in the top 15 i believe and then anthony black somewhere in the 40s we did not have ricky council but right now ricky council is arkansas's leading score and i'll take it a step further. right now ricky council council is leading the sec in scoring. I don't know if that would make him the favorite to win SEC player of the year. It's way early for that. Um, But so far, so good. He has transferred up, as they say, and statistically gotten a lot better, which um, I I might not be a total surprise to the Arkansas staff because I remember talking to them, let's just say, um, after council enrolled, and they thought he was going to be good. So I assumed he'd be good. They thought he would be really good. But Lead the SEC in scoring. Good. I don't know that anybody expected that. That's that's uh, that's a uh, pretty impressive stuff. While recognizing it's it's still early. We'll see where it goes.
1: Um, you know, as much as I'd like to cheat the question and give you uh, produce starting backcourt, Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith. Who oh, that's good. History. That's really
0: good. That's that's
2: good.
1: But they're freshmen, so it's like. You know what? Forget it. I'll just, I'll stick with a freshman anyway, then I'll my single answer is Donovan Klingon. And because of what I saw at UConn's preseason practice and how much of a factor he is being for a team that had the preseason player of the year and was expecting Klingon to be a a spots minute getter, a guy to give Sonogo a breather. Instead, he's been uh, a big force averaging almost 11 points, seven boards. Shooting seventy five point four percent from the field and playing sixteen minutes, his I don't have his per forty numbers in front of me, but I'm sure they're outrageous. So Klingon would be there, and if not him, the Purdue duo. But I want to give you a single guy. I again another freshman. It's it's kind of cheating the question because it's almost like which guy who's been around is up doing a bit more than you than you might have anticipated. Uh, but I got those are the guys that you know near the top of the polls, successful teams, big time factors. Those are the guys that stick out to me.
0: Um, there was another one that I considered going with, and by the way, the Purdue backcourt is maybe the most accurate answer. Yeah, two sub ninety freshmen starting and flourishing for uh, a team that is, I guess, ranked number one in the country right now on the AP poll. Right, that that's a great answer. Um, Klingon's great as well. Another one that sort of popped up, Keontae Johnson, Kansas State. Great one. Now, now this was a preseason SEC player of the year once upon a time. But once again, you know, he hasn't played in a while. Um, We didn't know what to expect. And he was not on our list of top 101 college basketball players coming into this season. And right now he's averaging 17.3 points for a Kansas State team that's only lost once. Um, That's third in the Big 12 conference in scoring points per game.
1: That is a that's a good one there, man. Hey, we got uh, we got a nice one tonight. Nine o'clock tip. UCLA, Maryland. It's a somewhat sleepy week because a lot of schools are in finals, so you don't have a, as high a game inventory. And again, our Friday episode. We got a couple. We got a busy pod week for you here. We got this one. Jay Wright special coming on Thursday. That'll be ready for you in your feed when you wake up. Previewing the CBS Sports Classic, talking a variety of things with when uh,
0: I wake up or when you wake up, because we we apparently, wake up, we apparently wake up at different times.
1: Both. Anyone, everyone. When you wake and by the up, way i should
0: say i'm just goofing around with you you've been working your ass off all morning on this I, I, irp stuff so i was I'm also just, up
1: <laughs> until you know if you want the truth i was up until 1 30 in the morning writing a frank martin feature that's now been bumped a couple of days because of this so uh, yeah.
0: that's miserable at least it's yeah. at least
1: it's done though
0: but that is uh, the, the
1: it is the, it is it is done and uh i think the intention will still be to run that frank martin feature umass out to an eight and two start. Um, but yeah, had I known this was coming, you can better believe that I would not have been working until one 30 in the morning on a feature that I expected to, uh, put the finishing touches on and run today. Um, anyway, point I was making was sleepy week, but we're giving you a ton of pods here. So Jay Wright will be tomorrow and then we will have our Friday episode. The, the Saturday is so freaking loaded. Cannot wait for our Friday episode there, but the game to know tonight is UCLA at Maryland. That's a nine o'clock Eastern tip on Fox sports one by far, the best game on the schedule that is a i gotta see it there maryland is eight and two coming off back-to-back losses i mentioned this on the sunday pod which you weren't on but you and i brought this up i bet you've forgotten about it remember what we mentioned with maryland like four or five episodes ago
0: i don't remember i I, these things come and go for me
1: over under 1.5 losses for this team after they started eight no do you remember what you said i no idea i love it Uh, you know this we both said under so we were both correct Not joyously, but we were both correct. They've lost two in a row. They're going to try and dodge a third straight L. They're all quality teams. All teams, you know, clearly streaking toward uh, being tournament teams in Wisconsin. That's a roadie. And then losing on a neutral in Brooklyn on Sunday to Tennessee. Now they get the home tilt against a UCLA team that is also eight and two. Also, it's only two losses respectable. Illinois and Baylor on neutrals there. Uh, I'm really excited for this one. UCLA in a, you know, cross country, uh, a good spot. That building will be rocking. And, I gotta be honest, Parrish. Sometimes I look at these matchups when we make, make our Friday picks. I can get a decent feel. I kind of don't know what to expect here because Maryland, eight and two. If we would said that going in, we've been like, yeah, I think I could. I think I could probably see that, but we 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 just don't know. A lot of the roster is unknown. But Jameer Young's been great. Dante Scott has been the team's, you know, I think start to now probably most uh, overall valuable player there. Um, but they're waiting for Donald Carey to to be a, a bit more impressive. Hakeem Hart's been pretty good. And then UCLA's got proven guys, but they're on the road in the spot. What are you in, in a tough spot? What are you expecting from the greatest coach in UCLA history uh, in the spot here in the house that Grievous Vasquez built?
0: I, I never know what to expect. Have you seen my final four and one record?
1: Uh, you're only one behind me. I believe we're good.
0: I never know what to expect. Here's the truth. Um, I can't tell you it's going to be a great game. I can tell you it's going to look amazing. Better. Yeah. And that's why I, that this is what I love big brand big brand on campus let's go we we get into a habit of watching so many neutral court games and sometimes they're great you know in terms of atmosphere but more often than not they're just not and um that's why I always prefer things to happen on campus or in true home road environments. And that's what we get tonight. It should be noted that um, UCLA just isn't randomly and forgive me if you've mentioned this, isn't just like randomly flying across the country to play Maryland. Um, they're, They're in the CBS sports classic on Saturday at New York's Madison square garden. So I haven't talked to the UCLA staff about this specifically, but I'm assuming they just sort of said, Hey, we're going to New York anyway. Let's see if we can find an East Coast, you know, start a home and home with somebody, um, and and find a East Coast uh, uh, opponent that we can play at, you know, in the week when we're going to New York, and then we'll just go there, go straight to New York, and then come back home. So they're they're taking advantage of um, an East Coast, uh, 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 an East Coast trip, and getting two games on this trip as opposed to just one. Um, whatever the motivation is, it, it, I'm just glad it's happening because you're right. It is a kind of a a boring week um, because a lot of schools are in finals, and coaches at big time programs don't like traveling typically um, during finals week because it creates all sorts of problems. These are actual students um, th- who have to take exams and stuff, at least at at most places, and uh, and and so it 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 really. Uh, limits the amount of quality interesting games we have but we did have Alabama Memphis last night we're gonna have Maryland UCLA tonight and you know I I I don't know if this would have been one everybody circled in the preseason because Maryland frankly wasn't supposed to be good and we might find out that Maryland isn't as good as Maryland looked in those first eight games of the season but Maryland is eight and two Maryland is nationally ranked and um and, and Maryland has has beaten you know Illinois Miami st louis so i wouldn't i wouldn't rule anything out tonight i guess if, you know to circle back to your neutral, neutral uh initial question what am i expecting tonight a, a competitive basketball game I, I think we'll be at the under four and it'll still technically be up for grabs i'd be surprised if that's not true
1: all right nada if we get to the under four and it's like 14 points or more on either side just <laughs> please cut that and tweet it just please cut it <laughs> okay that's all i ask i, I got ask. you and I want the same of me. If I have said something on this podcast, I want the same treatment. I want to be dunked on. Okay? That's, 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 that's what I want. That's oh, I'm, I cut, I'm cutting that. Uh, you want to be dunked on? Oh, I'm absolutely cutting that right now. What did I just do? What did I do? All
0: right. Does that do it? Is that just about it? Is that a podcast?
1: It's a podcast.
0: Boy, I sure could use a nap. Those, those 715 CBS Sports HQ hits, they make the days go long. I was on CBS Sports HQ talking about UCLA, Maryland, before you were even awake this morning, maybe. That's not true. <laughs> Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Larnell. I hope he's That's doing true. all right. Yes. I hope he's doing all right. Shouts to Huck. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify over at Apple. Five stars. Nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't ever let them trick you and make you think otherwise. Coming up, uh, like Norlander said, on Thursday there will be a Jay Wright episode. He's our colleague now. He used he to is. just he used to just be our pal, our club yeah. going pal. But now, now he's our colleague. And, just me and him,
1: by the way. No yeah. GP on this one.
0: Yeah, and um, the reason the reason is I'm not I'm not going to be fired before tomorrow. I don't think. Um, the reason is uh, I was flying when this was taped. This was taped earlier in the week, and I was on a plane, and that was the time that we needed to do it. So it's just Norlander and Jay Wright, and I'm sure it'll be terrific. I can't wait to, to watch that episode. It's, a, it's and then, a good
1: conversation. He he was he is welcomed into the podcast family, and I believe he he will be an eye on college basketball guest exclusive, so we appreciate Jay for that.
0: Um, by the way, we had like a town hall, CBS Sports town hall this morning. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say or not, but like Jay was, um, you know, part of the panel at one portion of it and was just terrific. He's just terrific. Like the reason everybody thinks
1: he's terrific is is because he is. All right. Just he doesn't want to be trivia timed. Well, well so he got he got he was spared the first time. I can't promise the, the second appearance whenever that might be. He'll get the same treatment, though.
0: Can't, can't wait the to trivia try and Jay Wright someday. <laughs> so we'll have that in your feed tomorrow on Thursday, and then on Friday, our normal episode where I'll predict the outcomes of games and probably go something like one in four. So I can't wait for that. Appreciate you guys being here. Smash the like button if you haven't done that yet, and we will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.